Welcome back, everybody. Another episode of Cap and Trade. I am your host, Texans Cap. You can follow me on Twitter at Texans Cap if you prefer the written form, capandtrade.substack.com. Got another jam packed show for you tonight. Appreciate everybody hopping in. If you got any questions, comments, throw them up on the board. We'll get to as much as we can tonight, like usual. Uh, we'll get our guest on here in just about five seconds or so. Um, but yeah, a lot to get to, a lot of, a lot of continued, <laughs> continued news and, and wonderful gossip with Houston. So uh, let's get our guest in here, Mr. Brandon K. Scott BK. Let's see here. Let me flop this over. There we go. Hey, how are All you, right. sir? There we go. I'm in here. I'm good, man. I'm good, man. Good to be in here with you, man. I appreciate you for having me, man. No, I appreciate the time, sir. No, it's been a while since we've uh, we've had a good chat, so welcome in. A uh, lot to get to tonight. Um, got news from all the way back to Monday with Nick Casario's press conference, all the way up to today with with Trey Lance and, and everything in between. So we'll try to get to as much as we can. And uh, like I said, if anybody's got any questions, comments, throw them up on the board. We'll get to as much as we can. But the one thing I wanted to throw right off the top, and this is my first talking point, is just can we just have a normal offseason with this team? Just <laughs> just one. That's all I asked for. And I, I kind of went back and did like a year by year. Like So 2017 was the Dwayne Brown holdout. Bob McNair's comments. 2018 was the whole Tony Romo nonsense. And then Rick Smith steps away and the team just goes totally dark and the rest of free agency up to draft. I think they signed one free agent that offseason. Signed Brian Gain, 2019, Brian Gain's fired. 2020, O'Brien is named general manager. <laughs> 2021, Watson demands a trade. 2022, the whole David Coley, Lovey Smith, weird head coach search with Josh McCown. And now 2023 reports of Casario leaving after the offseason. So I'm like, just, just give me one offseason. It's seven years in a row of some kind of nonsense with this team. <laughs> and whether it's self-inflicted or not, I just want one offseason. I just want to go through one offseason. It's all I ask for, BK. Nah, man. I, I feel like at this point, like the more you do a thing, the more that that's your identity. Like I feel like this is just on brand now. I mean, you just laid it out perfectly. The number of years that we've gone now with some level of dysfunction or oddity or, or weirdness to be associated with the team and with the off season. I mean, that's just, that's just on brand. That's on par for what Texans off seasons look like, man. So I feel like it's a it's a thing, and especially the, the way you laid it out, it's something that we should just be used to at this point. Now, that doesn't mean that I like the level of I don't know if I would call it dysfunction, but whatever whatever this offseason is, that doesn't mean that you like it, that you love it, or that you're comfortable with everything. But I will say that I'm conditioned for a weird offseason and a normal one, while it would be welcomed, would maybe at this point be weird in and of itself <laughs> it would be boring then uh that's i mean i think that i think you put it right i think we're just kind of conditioned to like have something whether what type of severity level it may be it and I, every team has some kind of whether it be dysfunction or some kind of some kind of nonsense but it just feels like it's more amplified with houston and obviously because we're here and we cover the team it's more amplified with us but it just feels like it's more amplified nationwide and 
this this latest report with Nick Casario is just another piece of that. And I thought he was going to come out scorched earth on Monday. I really did. And he didn't quite go scorched earth in the manner that I thought he would. And But he's still playing his day, said, I'm staying, I'm not going anywhere. Do you buy it? Do you do you think he's in it for the long haul? Yeah, well, the long haul and staying, I think, are not necessarily the same thing. I think he's definitely staying past the draft. Like, I don't think that we're going to go through the draft and then no, the, no, the, I never the next week. You know, like anything like that, though, right? Like the mm-hmm. next week or even during, like, like let's call it into the summertime, that all of a sudden we're going to get some random news dump that Nick Casario yeah. and the Texans are parting ways. Like, I don't think any of that is happening. What I do think is the case is that Nick Casario is on a shorter timeline. I think this is kind of stating the obvious, but it is worth noting in this context is that Nick Casario is on a shorter timeline and a shorter lease, leash, I should say, than D'Amico Ryan's. And, and I think that part of it is true that sooner rather than later, you're going to have to start seeing some results. When I say you, I mean the Texans, right. the makers, the McNairs, the ones that decide the fate and future of these folks like you got to see more and 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 like more actual production and results from nick casario who is now you know going into several years now into his uh you know into year three of of his tenure whereas D'Amico ryan's was just hired in his first year and it's going to have i think a lot more leeway and so i i think that that all of that matters especially at draft time when you start talking about picks and the moves that he's making i mean it's the off season so it's the general manager's time Right. Mm -hmm. Once the once they start playing, then we'll start evaluating D'Amico Ryan's. But as we sit right now here, it is, you know, spotlight is on Nick Casario. So if you wanted to give like a 30,000 foot view of Casario's tenure. So far, I mean, whether it's good, bad, neutral, however you want to kind of put it. I mean, I have my opinion on the matter, but kind of what what's your just high level view of his of his performance so far yeah i think it's a mixed bag i I don't know if there's any other way to put it it's a mixed bag he's done some good things i don't think there's any way around that and he's done also some not so good things and some curious things at the very least and and then there are other things that it's like still to to be determined whether he was to stay or to go there are parts of the nick casario tenure that are like the jury is still out like the his first first round picks for example the jury is still out. I like Derek Stingley Jr. and King and Green, I think, can be better than he was as a rookie. But the jury is still out on whether Nick Casario did a good job at the 2022 draft in his two first round picks. You know, like there there are still some incompletes with Nick Casario. And then there are, are, are spots to pick apart, you know, the Marcus from the Marcus Cannon trade to all, all the way to the Brandon Cook situation, you know, uh, things that you could pick apart. Um, and nitpick. Um, you could point to the Deshaun Watson trade as a positive. You know, th- there yep. are things that you could say in support of Nick Casario. There are things that you could say to be critical of Nick Casario. I, I think that it's that it's still a mixed bag. But in terms of like his future, I think the time to part if if there is or was a time to part ways with Nick Casario, it was earlier in the offseason when you parted ways with Lovey Smith, or it will be at some other date in the more so distant future than right now as in say next year or the year after that but it's not now so i I would say that it's a a mixed bag right now but the pressure is definitely on them 
Yeah, and I'm with you there. I kind of look at it as like it's I'm pretty neutral on his performance so far, maybe slightly more positive than negative, but his free agency moves have been questionable and some of the contract moves with the restructures and, and just the way he approached the situation, especially the first year, was not quite what I was hoping for. But like you said, the Watson situation, he knocked that out of the park. He's got a couple of good free agent signings managed his way well through his first draft and no first rounders. And then last year we'll just have to kind of wait and see, but yeah. And I, I don't, if you're going to, like you say, if you're going to let go of a GM, you have to do it early in the off season, like right after the regular season at this point, there's nothing they're going to do. So we'll just have to wait and see how the draft plays out. Um, I don't want to think or even consider or have to think that how the draft plays out could tell us Casario's future because we really don't know what what the team values what you know what D'Amico and Casario what their board looks like and there's a lot of speculation out there that if they don't go quarter that they probably won't they may not go quarterback at two but if they do go quarterback at two maybe that means ownership stepped in and pulled that lever which is something you don't want to know that if that did happen yeah I'd rather just not know it stick my head in the sand because that's not something I want to know. I, you, you hired these football people to run your organization and you need to let them do their jobs. So, But I do think maybe the way the draft plays out might give us an indication of what the next six months for Nick Casario may be. And if things go smoothly, then, hey, he, he may be here for many years. But if things don't go the way that maybe Nick Casario, we don't know what that means, but if, there's a very real chance that this draft does not play out the way that he anticipates or how his board sorts out in the quiet, in the quietness of, of June, which is usually the dead part of the NFL season. That may be, you know, maybe a time, but this is all speculation on my point. I'm not, I'm not saying he's out or in or anything like that. I think it's just something we'll just have to continue to monitor going forward. I, I don't want to put any more crazy speculation out there than it already is out there. But it just bears watching. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's a done deal. I don't think it's anything to just say, okay, he said he's staying and you wipe the slate and, and walk away. I think it's just something to have to keep keep watching, keep monitoring. Yeah, yeah, and I I would just add that I mean you obviously have to give this year a go. You have to figure out what this year looks like. And, and in a lot of ways, at least in my opinion, this year is a bit of a trial run. Like if it goes well, kind of like what you're saying. If it goes well, and ideally it does, I think everybody wants it to, right? If you're mm-hmm. paying attention to this show and, and you follow this team, you kind of, generally speaking, want it to go well. And if it does, then great. And then if it doesn't, you know, then it's time to sort of reevaluate. So, so to me, you know, it makes much more sense to give this year a go and figure out what it looks like yeah. as opposed to just punting on it before it even gets started. Like to me, this is the best time. I've said this on the radio. Mm-hmm. I feel like for Nick Casario – this is the best time to be the general manager of the Texans. Like right now here in this moment yeah. with D'Amico Ryan's coming in as your head coach, having the number two overall pick. A ton of positive energy. Yeah. Whether you draft a quarterback and I, and I will get to this, I'm sure, but I I want them to, but whether you draft a quarterback, draft Will Anderson or a defensive player or trade the pick for more picks, whatever you do with it, along with D'Amico Ryan's, you got, a lot of positive energy and momentum going into the season. This is the best time out of any time since he's been the general manager of the team to be the general manager of the team. Yeah. So at the very least you see, you should see this year out and depending on how it goes, we'll see from there. 
Yeah. This is the cap and trade show. If you got any questions, comments, still up on the board, I've started a few of them. We'll try to get to them. You know, I'll sprinkle them in as we go. Uh, we are joined by uh, Brandon K. Scott of Sports Radio 610. It's been uh, great hearing his voice the past three mornings with uh, Sean. Hopefully continues to get more airtime and maybe get to sleep in a little bit tomorrow for once. Oh, um, yeah. I'm definitely doing that. Please, <laughs> please believe that. I will be sleeping yeah. in. I got my hit at 11 within the loop. So uh, okay. I got to at least be up, you know, reasonably by 10. Good. But uh, but I will be sleeping in. You can believe it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's but it really enjoyed it. Um, listening to you and I always, always love when you get to be on the air. Um, and if you haven't subscribed to the show, make sure you do that and hit that like button helps out the helps out the show and continue to get better and better. So everybody's favorite question draft slot 1.02. What will this team do? And I think there's multiple paths. And I'm still, I, I know I've said it for three weeks in a row or three or four weeks in a row that I feel like Carolina was get, was all in on Stroud. And I know the markets and everything has shifted to Bryce Young. Everyone I talked to offline that I trust says is Bryce Young. Stutes is on my side that he's still sticking with, with them going for Stroud. Um, I think in the back of my mind, I, I've, I'm, I've convinced myself that they're going to go with Bryce Young, but I'm still clinging hope that they'll go with Stroud. But let's just say for the sake of the argument, Bryce Young is drafted number one overall to Carolina. What does Houston do from there? What do I think they do or what should they do? I what do you be... th- what yeah that's t- that's fair and that that's what do you think they will do not should but what do you think their their path is yeah man it's way easier for me to give you my opinion than to try to predict what the texans are thinking right no and no 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 i'm gonna do it i'm okay. gonna do it i'm just pointing that out like mm-hmm. that i feel yeah. much stronger in because I, I, I i'm gonna give you both all right okay go for it <laughs> and i feel much stronger in my opinion than I do in my prediction or feeling on what they will do. I want to say that up front Fair enough. before I even go into saying what I'm going to say. Based off of the reporting and the, and the feeling and the vibes that I get, I think that they're going to pick Will Anderson at number two overall. That 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 is the feeling that I get just based off of where we sit right now. I think they're yep. going to pick. I think they're going to pick Will. If I had to rank them, the 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 likelihoods. Yep. And, and I don't like this, okay? But this is what I, I'm predicting here. Yep. I think the likelihoods are, number one, they draft Will Anderson at number two overall because I, I feel like there's also a possibility that the market for the number two overall pick is just not nearly as robust as the market for the number one overall pick. And there's just not this anxiousness to go out there and get the number two overall pick. And they ended up being stuck with it, even though they're probably listening to offers for it. So they end up being there at number two, having to pick the player, they don't like the quarterbacks and they pick Will Anderson. I think that's number one. That's most likely hmm. number number two. I would say that they do end up being able to trade back and maybe it's marginal. Maybe they just trade back a spot or, or a couple of spots, whatever it is. I'm not exactly sure what the trade back would look like, but right. I would say that's the second more likely. And then the third thing that I would rank would be them taking a quarterback and who that quarterback might be. Hell if I know, I would guess yeah. it'd be CJ Stroud, but mm-hmm. they don't even like the quarterbacks apparently. So yeah. God, God forbid that I'd be able to tell you which quarterback they would take <laughs> knowing damn well that they don't apparently don't like none of them. So, so that there's, there's what I think will happen or my, my best yeah. attempt to guess. Let's get the other side of it. So what, what do you want to see happen? I think the smartest thing to happen 
or the, the smartest play would be to just draft CJ Stroud at number two overall. Take the best weapon available, the ones that I like the most at 12, if they're available at 12, are B. John Robinson and Jackson Smith and Jig. But that's just where I stand. That, 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 those are just my opinion on the players. Yeah. We can we can have different opinions on, on what they should do at 12. I just think they should get a difference maker, obviously. Those are the ones that I like. And then, of course, by 33, I have no idea who's going to be available at 33. But if Quentin Johnston is there, if Jameer Gibbs is there, um, I, I saw a mock that had Gosh, I'm forgetting the kid that's a freak out of out of Georgia, but is but is not polished. Um, damn it, defense. What's, yeah, what's Nolan. the kid's? No, there we go, Nolan. Yeah, um, I've seen him mocked in the second round. So, like, there's a number of ways that you could go at, at 33. It'll be an interesting time once we get there. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. I, I think you know, and I know we'll probably get into the Trey Lance talk, but I think mm-hmm. the, the the smartest play for a team with the number two overall pick that needs a quarterback. And there are, for me, at least one quarterback that's available to you at number two that's worth taking at number two. I personally think that there are two quarterbacks available at number two that they should at least be having a discussion about. Now, if they rule them out, that's fine. It's up to them. But I think there's at least two quarterbacks that they should be having a discussion about before they move on and start talking about doing something else and not drafting a quarterback at all at number two. And I think that should be a conversation about C.J. Stroud and Anthony mm-hmm. Richardson. Yep. Wherever that conversation leads you, that's fine. You don't have to listen to me. Just have the conversation and go down the rabbit hole and figure that out. And I feel like at the end of it, you should land at a place that makes you feel comfortable with drafting one of those guys. That's just how I feel about it. So, yeah, I, I, I think that they should draft C.J. Stroud. I think that's the smartest play. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, and I am not against the experiment of the potential. I'd call it a, th- a to be fair, a three year experiment with Anthony Richardson, because and we'll get to this, I, I imagine, when we talk to Trey Lance or talk about Trey Lance. But by the end of year three, you want to feel good about or feel at least a way about a quarterback, whether you, you know, you're going to pick up the, uh, particularly a first round quarterback whether you're going to pick up their fifth-year option or you're going to think about extending them or if they're a franchise tag option or something like that, that's something that you're interested in if you can't figure out a deal. Like, you want to have that answer by the end of year three. So the opportunity to do that, I think, is right in front of them, and they should take it. Yeah, I, I'm pretty much with you on all that. Um, the uh, What I think they will do, it's it's probably Will Anderson is part of the safe safer choice if they don't like the quarterbacks and they don't have any trade back options, what, what is your take on, and I'll get back to my stuff at one two, but this question kind of is going to get us off on a tangent for a minute. What is your, what is your opinion on inter inter division trades specifically with Indianapolis? If a quarterback is involved, I've got the opinion that if the value is right, I don't care. And if I, I don't have a grade on Stroud or whoever it may be, I don't care if I'm getting valued out that it was appropriate and I go back to four, get a future one out of it or whatever it may be. I don't care. But what, what's your take on that? There's yeah. A, I, it seems I, to be a very varying opinion out there on that. Yeah. I, I agree with you because to do the deal, I feel like assumes that you are willing to miss out on the player. And I feel like if you're willing to miss out on the player or the, the potential of whatever player you could pick, then you, then you're willing to also see the other team get get what you're missing out on. So like you wouldn't 
you wouldn't root for your rival's success, right? So if you think that this is something that benefits your rival, okay, then I would lean against it. But if you're of the opinion that this scenario is 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 of no use to you and whatever they offer you, like you said, whatever the value is, whatever they can offer you is of more value to you and whatever you're giving them back is something that you yourself do not value, then I think it's just it's, it's just fine to do it within the division. Now, to me, it's more of a conversation. And there are, I guess, different scenarios where it's where you wouldn't deal in the division. Like, you know, I, I would imagine, for example, okay, I would imagine that the the Baltimore Ravens would never consider trading Lamar Jackson to the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, like even though they don't want to pay Lamar Jackson $200 million, they probably also don't want the result of Lamar Jackson being with the Pittsburgh Steelers if they're willing to pay him $200 million, if that makes sense. Yeah. But it's, but it's a little bit different in this situation. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that, 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 that's how I view it. I think if you're willing to pass on whatever is there and trade for whatever the, division opponent can give you then then that's just the risk that you're willing to take yeah I'm or, sh- or, or should be willing to take yeah i'm with you there so but yeah what what they what i want to see them do it too and i've i've been i generally don't have opinions on what i think a team should do in in this kind of in this kind of area but i i just want them to trust their board, trust their evaluations, be public image, public feedback, be damned. That's what I want. I want them to just trust their board, trust their evaluations and draft on that and not draft for need, not draft of what ownership or anybody else wants them to do or what the fan base wants them to do. I want them to do what they feel is best. Now I may completely disagree with what that, what their evaluations may be. And that's probably what's going to happen if they were to say, yeah, Will Anderson, after Bryce Young, Will Anderson is our number one guy on the board at slot number two. And we didn't receive enough value for it, so we're going to go with Will Anderson. The fan base is going to come back and complete, probably disagree with that and go along with what you were thinking, that go with C.J. Stroud. The consensus is he is the second-best quarterback on the board and go with that. So – I can understand from that standpoint, but that's just what I would want to see them do. If they can trade out of that and get a little bit of value, great. But at some point you've accumulated, you got 12 picks this year. You've got like eight or nine, 10 picks next year, including the extra first round again. I get trading back and getting value and things like that. But at some point you just, you've got to start using these picks and getting elite players. No, you, you got to stop getting cute with it and just, pick the guy and move and start building this roster out. You can shove pet picks out into the future as much as you want, but this team has so many holes, so many areas of address to address, and it's not going to happen in this year. It's going to take another year. Just pick the best player and move forward. And let's get going on this, on this, on this rebuild or whatever, whatever you want to call it. And let's get going in the right direction sell it back to the fan base. They'll back you up when it comes training camp time. When it comes week one, the fan base will be all on board with regardless who you go with it to and at 12. And dang it, let's go. But if they do go Will Anderson at two, 
I think it's got to be an offensive player, like you said, whether it's, uh, you know, Bijan, I think would be a phenomenal pick at pick 12 if they ended up going with Anderson at, at two. And whatever quarterback that ends up putting behind, putting on the roster, whether it's a pick trading up in the first for somebody or, or leaning back on what was on the, what's already on the roster. But I think that would be a phenomenal path. But at some point, I think they're going to either have to take the quarterback two or move up from 12 and get one unless one just slides to them and find their path forward with that. But, but go ahead. But I mean, what do you think about that though? Like, does that even make sense if, if you're sitting there with the opportunity to draft a quarterback at two mm-hmm. and say you don't want to do it, but you're interested in maybe getting one at 12, why would you risk? Yeah. And, and, and of course you're talking about trading up. And so you're not necessarily maybe waiting for him to fall to you at 12. Yeah. But if you have the number two overall pick, why would you want to do extra work to either move up from 12 to get the quarterback or and maybe it's because you just love Will Anderson so much. Maybe that's what it is. But why would you want to do that extra work to get the to get the quarterback or risk the quarterback not falling to you at 12? Because I think that's the yeah. other side of it. If you're just like, hey, well, maybe one falls to you. Well, basic math here, Cap. Mm-hmm. Between two and 12, there are nine picks yep there are six teams that could reasonably take a quarterback Mm -hmm. within those as it stands right now at least within those nine picks there are let's count them how many quarterbacks that are within this conversation less than six i think it's four four or five (laughs) yeah okay i'm gonna stick with four but yeah there's yeah there's a big supply and demand issue there yeah so so, and you you don't want to get cute with it yeah so it's very possible and, and like very possible that a quarterback falls to you, but how do you know it's the one that you like? And how do you know that it's any of them? They could all be gone, you know? Yeah. And I'm not saying that they will be, but like you said, you don't want to get too cute with it. So, I mean, I that's my hang up with not taking the quarterback at two, but still actually still wanting the quarterback to me. If you, if you don't take a quarterback at two, you just dead ass don't want the excuse me. Like you just don't want yeah. the quarterback. Oh, you're fine. You know what I mean? You don't, mm-hmm. you don't want, them. you don't want a quarterback. And so don't, don't start playing around with 12. Nah, go get B. John Robinson, go get Jackson Smith and Jigbo or like yeah. another, another dude that can actually contribute to yeah, the or team. flip it or you, you might or, have yeah, a, or yeah, exactly. Defense. It might be a defensive sure. guy that you really like there. Maybe, you know, Ben Ness or one of those guys are, are there that you like at 12 and, and, you know, just stop screwing around, take your quarterback yeah. at two, whoever, whoever's your QB two on the board, whether it's Stroud or whether it's Levis or whether it's Richardson. Don't, that's a very valid, that's a very valid point as to just don't screw around, right? <laughs> Get the guy and go and let's, let's move on. And that's I, I, I get that. I yeah. truly do. And, 100%. That's where I'm at, man. Yeah. It's, that uh, I'm smarter mentality. I'm going to get cute with this. You know, he, that's a very delicate game because there's these teams will jump you in a heartbeat, man. I mean, Tennessee, Atlanta, Las Vegas, all of them are going to be potentially looking for quarterbacks. Philadelphia is sitting right there at 10 that could easily trade, trade out of it for somebody that wants to come up to, to take a quarterback. So it'd be hard pressed to wait for somebody to come to you at 12. Let, let me ask you this on, on me with the trade down option. Cause mm-hmm. I, I want to see if you think I'm weird for feeling this way. Mm-hmm. Back when they didn't have picks, 
And back when Deshaun Watson wanted to be traded and they didn't have picks, but they had this way to get picks. I wanted picks, you know, Deshaun Watson wasn't going to play for them anymore. They had gone through this period of time when they didn't have first round picks. They were just now getting their own back. And now that coincides with the time where they can now get more picks with Deshaun Watson. So you're getting your own picks back after this no pick purgatory. Mm hmm. And you have this opportunity to 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 double the double up the picks, basically. Mm -hmm. Thought that was great. Wanted the picks, got the picks. Awesome. Got the picks. Now that they've got the picks, I don't want no more picks. Yeah. I just want to pick the picks. <laughs> you know, I'm so with like, you, bud. So so it's, so so like it's great if oh, we're going to trade back and gonna get more picks and more picks and picks for everybody. You get a pick. I get a pick. Everybody gets picked. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. It sounds great, but I felt that way more so back when they didn't have picks when they needed picks. Yeah. Now that they have the picks, I want them to pick the picks. Yeah. And I, I'm not even sure. And you said it earlier. I'm not even sure there's much of a market for them to trade out of out of two. I, I just. Indy, you know, unless somebody is willing to jump Indy up to Arizona at number three and it's just got their eyes on the exact same quarterback that Indianapolis wants, then maybe Indianapolis has to jump them back up to two. But that's the only real situation that I can see that Houston would have a potential trade partner. And the way I kind of read it, the way Casario said it at the, at the press conference, and then talking to a few people offline, it seemed like it was more Houston reaching out to folks than folks reaching out to Houston for any potential. And he said, we fielded some calls and I get that. And that fielded is always a, a, a tricky word for me when, when, when teams use that. So I just don't feel like there's much of a market there for, for one dot two. And maybe, you know, only, like you said, it only takes one, you know, it, somebody can get a wild hire up their ass and, and make the move, but I think they're going to be hard pressed to move out of two. So I, I, I think what you're pointing out, I like your point because to me, the point that you're making is the distinction I think that Nick Casario was making and how he wanted to be quoted. Like, yeah, you know, if you want to change the vocabulary from being open for business to I'm, I'm willing listening. to listen, I'm listening. I mean, I think I think that's the difference from between fielding the call, actually fielding calls and get and taking feelers out. You're mm -hmm. getting feelers out. So so I, I think that actually your theory and, and, and I, it sounds like you've heard, you've heard this, too. I think that information and, and that idea that you just presented is consistent with the, the word salad, if you will, that we actually got. Yeah. Yeah. So and we'll move off of one dot two. I think we covered that. I mean, there's the the decision tree is can go down many a pass at 1.02 but yes 1.12 is something that's i think going to be a, a little more a little more interesting to watch see what happens because it's uh landry picks on me left and right about it because i'm i'm just not a big proponent of taking a running back early however Bijan intrigues the heck out of me and I don't think he's going to slide much further beyond the top 15 and taking him at 12 
there's some folks that, that, that I see that he's comparable to from a wide receiver standpoint, comparable to some of the guys that are going to be in like drafted in the second round. If you were just comparing wide receiver skills has the best so, hands. Yeah. His, his hands are second to no one's and he's just a true weapon. And so when you go back and you look at San Francisco and how Kyle Shanahan deploys that offense built on spacing, built on yards after catch, you see what they do with Debo Samuel. I feel like Bijan could be your, your Debo Samuel and could be just your, your weapon X. You've got Pierce. He's not a bell cow, but he's still a very good running back. But Bijan, man, could just take so much pressure off of a rookie quarterback or any quarterback for that matter and can just be deployed all over the field, whether it's slot, boundary, behind center, whatever you want to do with him. And it just – it's tough, man, but it intrigues the heck out of me. And I love Ninjigba. I like the idea of taking an edge if you go with quarterback at two. But man, if 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 you got if that team went on the clock and Bijan was on the board, he'd be tough. And I I hate to say this from a contract salary standpoint, but you see what happens when you draft running backs in the first round. And you see kind of what happens if they perform and how expensive they can get. You still would have if you count the franchise tag. You're, you you would have a good six years of control with that. And so, man, it would be tough to bypass that. It would be tough. Do me a favor here, because this is your this is your specialty and expertise. I looked this up and I've made this argument on the air. I hope it's correct. And if it's not, you can correct me here and I'll I'll wear it if I got it wrong on the air. But I've made this point a couple of times. Okay. If Bijan Robbins, whoever they pick at 12, is the contract over the life of the rookie contract, is it not something around just under $19 million? Is that correct or incorrect? Let me set me straight right now on whether I have that number correct. Is the, is the life of the rookie contract for the number 12 overall pick in this draft, something around $18.9 million? You're exactly right. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So I want to make sure we're not spreading misinformation. No, that no. is that is eight, correct, right? Eighteen point nine one. Yep. Bijan Robinson for eighteen point nine million dollars mm-hmm. over yeah, the six life million of, year. For, or, or five and a half. Yeah. How how many years are we talking about, Cap? Yeah, four years, and then tack on a franchise tag at like twelve million, so thirty million for for five years. At, Bijan. At, at what point in Bijan Robinson's career is he going to come at better value than that? He's not. How, how are you going to get a weapon like that at better value than that? How many ways can you think of of getting a weapon like that at that kind of value? You're not. You're not. I mean, it's you see. I mean, a, a top fifteen pick that's a running back is already in the top ten of paid running backs, more I, or less. I'll give so, you another one. Hold on. Yeah. How about this one? How about this one? Would it? Odell Beckham Jr., who's on the wrong side of 30 now and on the wrong side of his injury history now. worst contract ever. What did he just sign with the Baltimore Ravens to play for one year? Yeah, $15 guaranteed. With the potential for 18, right? Yeah. So for one year, Baltimore just signed up for Odell Beckham Jr., who's, on the again, on the wrong side of 30 and on the wrong side of his injury history. 
and you're yeah. talking about you could get Bijan Robinson for essentially the same amount, more or less. Yeah, give or take for years. Yeah, multiple years. Yeah, what are we doing? I, I mean, to me, it's like we got to get off of the can't draft a running back in the first round type of thing, or the idea that because the of the existence of Damian Pierce, that should preclude you from bringing in a guy who is a matchup problem. This is my thing about Bijan. If I can just go on this quick yeah, tangent real quick, the thing about Bijan that I like, and specifically as it pertains to what I think this coaching staff is going to be, what we can kind of imagine it being from where we sit now. Offensive football is all about creating matchup issues, matchup problems, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, that's what, once you get past the minutia of it all, all they're really trying to do is create a matchup problem. Put the defense in conflict, as they say. B. John Robinson is the ultimate matchup problem. Yes. You know, if, if you are an offensive coordinator or, and a play caller with any imagination about you, you should be like salivating at the idea of the different type of matchup problems that you could create with B. John Robinson, who is faster than in than it, pretty much any linebacker that that could ever be matched. So he's a mismatch a mismatch with any linebacker, and then bigger than any defensive back. Like my goodness, the defensive backs are um, <laughs> they are in danger with B. John yeah. Robinson because he can make a miss and or run them over. Mm-hmm. So, like, he is an ultimate matchup problem. Maybe not necessarily for everybody, but for most. Yeah, for I'm most. with you there. So, so to me, you got to think about that and then the point that I made about the contract. I mean. Yeah. And, and Truth has said the same thing. This is what we're talking about with the contract, where Truth says Bijan has a lot of miles on. It could be Frank Gore or Todd Gurley. If he's Todd Gurley, that was Los Angeles's mistake, was extending Todd Gurley after three years of the – three years in the league yeah he never even saw the new years of that contract before los angeles moved on from him yep the mistake wasn't drafting him right it was no no it wasn't draft he he was all pro but extending him early was the mistake and i that's why i say i hate to be you know a bad person about don't pay him but you can get four or five years like we said at dang near 30 million dollars total value and see what see what happens after that. Yeah. And he'll have, he very well could have a lot of miles on him by then. And, and things can change. Obviously, five years is a long time in an NFL player. But but that's I, a later with, that's a, that's a later conversation to have. Right. Though, right. Like right. that's not that's not when you're talking about whether to make the pick. That's not a conversation to have today. Yeah. The conversation that you have today is I've got him for this price over this Cost amount control, of time, yeah. Yeah. and then you're betting on the hope and wish and prayer that by the time you do have that conversation, it's a tough one, yep. you know, that you are having a, a conflicted conversation. Do I want to pay a running back? Well, hopefully he's that damn good to where you actually are asking that question. And then you can make that decision then. Yeah. I'm with you there. And it, I, like I said, in the beginning, it's, it's tough for me to stomach taking a running back that early, but to me, Bijan's not just a running back. Yes. I'm not drafting just a, pure running back in the first round Bijan is is i know a lot of people called jamari gibbs like weapon x and kind of things i think Bijan is the ultimate weapon and that's what i'm drafting yeah. early yeah if it's um, gibbs or somebody else then yeah second round or later sure no problem a but, matchup problem in any context that's yeah. what Bijan robinson is a yeah. matchup problem an issue for the opposing defense 
in yeah. any context. Yeah. Once we get Pat, you know, it's to me, it's it's either Edge, Bijan, or or Ninjigba at twelve. Uh, I'm pretty dead set on one of those three, and it just kind of depends on how the edges flow. And I, I mean, I know there's a little talk about Tyree Wilson, and I get he's a little bit bigger. You know, Anderson's only 250, 255, and that's a little bit on the lighter side for D'Amico and what, or at least what they used in San Francisco. Maybe his opinion changes here a little bit, and Wilson's of you know, 270 plus pounds, but man, it would be tough to draft another player with an injury history after what happened with Steenley. It would just be difficult to stomach going down that path again with another first round pick. So, but I think, like you said, it's, it's Robinson and Jaguar or, or an edge at that point. And then once you get to 33 and beyond, it's a wide open world, man. You, you can go just whatever is there, whatever's available, whether it's center, whether it's, you know, another safety, whether it's another cornerback. I mean, this team can use it pretty much all over the roster. Uh, there's, there's really no wrong decision. Once they get into day two and beyond, in my, my opinion, you just stick with your evaluation, stick with your board and go have no problem with wherever they go after that. Yeah, man, somebody on Twitter today was trying to hold my feet to the fire about who would you want them to pick at 33. And I'm oh, like, no. I'm like, dude, I don't know who's going to There's be always there like there's always a couple players that slip out of the first that are surprises. Exactly. Like we can make educated guesses on who's going to go in the top 15, top 20, even just the whole first round. But by the time you get to 33, it's like, yeah, you can guess, like you can do your mock, but I mean, I, I, I can't give you just one name. I'd have to give you a number of names of guys that I think could possibly fall out of the first uh, out of the first round that I'd be yeah, able to take. And I think Brand, uh, Brandon being the GM up at Buffalo nailed it perfectly. He, they asked him in his press conference, how many first round grades do you have on the class this year? And he, I'm not going to give you a number, but it's not great is basically what he said. And it paints the picture that there is a smaller batch first round grades in this class so once you get past working off of that assumption that idea once you get past we'll just say he's got 20 first round grades once you get past pick 20 25 all hell could break loose so you have no clue who's going to be there at three i think once they get outside of that top 18 or so teams boards are going to shift up drastically of yep. where things are valued what team needs are things like that. So trying to peg a name at pit 33 is very, it's, yeah. it's near impossible. You sure you can look at a group of names and you can set speculate. Hey, if man, sure. if this guy fell out and was there, would love to have him, but man, to have somebody peg you into saying, uh, <laughs> saying what's going on, then yeah. yeah. Let's see here. Give you talking points or says Josh, shut up. I thought um, we were hitting on the I thought we were hitting on the talking points. Josh. We are. I are, got, are, I are got, these not are these not talking points? I got my talking points. I'm good about I it. Feel, I feel like these are the talking points. Yeah. I feel like we're hitting the high notes here, man. 33 for Judy. Yeah, man. Um what we'll get to Trey Lance here in a second. I just wanted to get back to this whole S2 cognitive test. Okay. And I cannot get an answer on this. So Nick pretty much made it seem like, yeah, it's just, you know, it's not something we pay a whole lot of attention to. The athletic reported that only two teams per division subscribe to it. 
which is Indianapolis and Tennessee. And then I've got it on good account that Houston has the S2 scores. So I what a part I can't figure out is if you're a subscriber, does that mean you can have get the test and get the full breakdown? Or are you just asking players for their scores? I bet it from what I understanding, Houston has a lot of the S2 scores. And from what my understanding is, is it's just another data point for them. It's not as heavily weighted in their system as maybe some other team, but it is a data point that is that is considered. And I find it odd that Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis's scores have been leaked and CJ Stroud has not been leaked. And but I've been told offline what it could be, but it's just uh, and it's such a new test. I know it's been around for what five or six, seven years now, but it feels like it really hit the news hard this year. And do you have any any specific takes on that whole thing and and what how teams may be using it? I think you're on to something. I would say, in terms of finding it odd that they would have that, I, I do think it's reasonable for them to not be subscribers to the test, but for like all the teams to have access to the answers as data points. Mm -hmm. And that since it's maybe an experimental type of thing, or they're just rolling it out a certain way that only certain teams would be able to use it, but everybody would be able to benefit from the information that it produces. Yeah. What we also found out or what also I, I took from what Nick Asario was saying. And I think, I think you're up on this too, is that they do have, a comparable test that they do rely on that they yeah. like, they like, it's not like they don't do any kind of cognitive testing mm -hmm. that would be adjacent to whatever the S2 is. Yeah. So, so they have that as well. And so, like you said, it's an extra data point and, you know, extra meaning they have their own and then they have this one that, Hey, they tested here. We didn't run the test, but here are the results anyway. Mm -hmm. So I think that's perfectly reasonable to be like a, a, a thing. And maybe that is the thing. I, I, I'm honestly not sure exactly how all of it works, to be honest with you, beyond what um, beyond what we just found out uh, or, or heard Nick Asario say. And obviously what you've heard kind of behind the scenes, I've heard some similar stuff. But as far as the points you make about the test not being or the results not being leaked out, I mean, it's hard to feel like that that's a coincidence and <laughs> <It's> not <laughs> and, and that it's more likely than not that there is some sort of this sounds kind of uh, pejorative or like inflammatory but there is some sort of pr campaign or effort to protect certain information yeah you know even if information is out there amongst the people that it matters to yep. or, or, or who matter i should say so I think that there's something to that. It, 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 my information, and it sounds like your information is the same, that there is something to that. And what will be interesting to me is just in the, as an observer and as somebody who isn't like desperate to break down the uncovering of this little uh, marginal fact, uh, I'm just interested to see how it does play out. When does that, when do those scores get leaked? Is that something that gets saved? You know how it works, Chap. Oh, yeah. information gets saved, you know, filed away for later. And does that information get saved for draft day leading up to draft day? And maybe when, when somebody starts to fall and it's like, well, 
here's the reason why. Or maybe mm-hmm. on the front end, on the pre-draft show, you start talking about it and say, hey, expect so-and-so to fall because so-and-so's cognitive scores are not up to par or what teams would like to, to have when they're investing such a pick and, and, you know, in a quarterback. So I'm really interested to see how that plays out publicly, given how it hasn't played out privately mm-hmm. or hasn't played out publicly, but has played out privately. So, yeah, it's and it's crazy that the whole PR. I, I don't know it's, if it's a campaign or what, but it's campaign that, probably wasn't the right word. But no, that's, but that, that, that's the, the PR, the PR Effort. message yeah. out there on CJ Stroud when it was first, it was. He's not very is not coachable. Oh yeah, and then that, that did happen. Then the S two score being potentially low, and then now today that he ghosted the Manning camp. Um, it's 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 wild that it's just all stacking up against him, and whether it's some team out there trying to push get him shoved down the board, or if it's just literally everybody has this information and they all know it. And it's just coming out piece by piece. Who knows? But it's just wild that it's all targeted on on CJ Stroud. And what to make of it? You can each person can make of that of their own. Um, it is lion season. It's, the draft season is is notorious for this kind of stuff. But it just you start to stack up those pieces one by one. And like like I said, I told Landry a couple weeks ago. I probably would have no problem putting a bet if you were to set the over under a number of quarterbacks at two and a half in the top 10, that I would take the under. And I do think there's a real chance that CJ Stroud may slide. Now there may be a couple of teams in the back half of the top 10 that may perk their ears up if he slid out there, but I feel like he's, he's the one that might potentially have the surprise slide. There's always one, one year and he might be the surprise slide. But that S2 stuff is is weird. I mean, it's made, it's wild that it just came to the forefront this year. That it's been around for five, six years, but this year it just is in everybody's face. It's a major talking point. And I I still don't know enough about it to like fully talk about it. I've I've written I've read the articles on what it is and how it works and I have to continue researching it. But for Houston, for the sake of this argument, it's just a data point. And they have, like you said, Brandon, they have the they have their own kind of in-house testing process as well. There's probably something very similar as imagine I imagine a lot of teams do. So and and that and and on that note, we'll get get off a little tangent here as well. I'm very impressed with how what's called as the decision science group. How is it how it has expanded for Houston in the past four years, I would guess. They were pretty light in that department for a number of years while other teams were building up. And they have really, really have grown quite a bit in the past four years. And it's really cool to see. And I, I, I really try to keep up with the, you know, with the staff and with, you know, you can get the media guide and you can really dive into who's on staff, how many they have in each department and what would be three or four people, two or three people in that, that analytics department four or five years ago. Now it's, like eight or nine or 10 people and it's just continuing to grow. And I think that's a a great thing for, for this team. And that's just something that I think goes untold for the McNairs and how they, they, they put a lot of money into this organization. 
absent the roster, absent how much cash and salary cap, but into the facilities, into the staff, that decision science group is another piece of it, how it expands. They really do spend a lot of money. And I, I just think that's something that doesn't really, really get talked about a whole lot. I have a theory on that. Okay. And a, and a reason why it probably will never get talked. I have a theory on why you just talking about it right now might be the most it ever gets talked about ever. You mentioned the last four years and decision science and analytics and all that. A lot of that fell under the. Oh, per, I know. I know. Purview of football <laughs> operations. Yeah. And there was a certain someone who was yep. in charge of football operations. Kind of give the man a little bit to do. I'm sorry. Probably deserves more credit for that than than anyone will ever be willing to give him. Yep. And because of the things that he deserves ridicule and criticism for, it it feels like it matters a lot more than the thing that he deserves credit for. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, that will always be in the focus and in the forefront of the conversation. Yep. And I don't know if, if there's a way to kind of just credit the McNairs for spending the money, then maybe you could talk around the fact that the person that was ahead of that is someone who probably you would prefer had not been in the position that they yep. were in. Yeah. With you there. With yep. you there. Last talking point before we get to some questions. So Trey Lance. Mm, dude, news this, that came out today. This makes my blood boil, man. I'm gonna try to handle this. Let's see how we handle this, man. Because this is gonna come up tomorrow when I when I go on in the loop. So it's a fire away, man. What you got? I, well, I'll give my opinion on it first, and my my initial tweet summed it up was no, thank you. Okay, not not interested. I don't care if it's just a just a fourth rounder or whatever. I, why, why are you not interested? I'm not. I'm not he, either, by the way. But I want to know why you're not. He's got the injury history. He's not shown anything that I can't that can already be seen from a from a rookie that the team may draft in the first round and reset that rookie contract timeline. He's only got two years left on his deal. So, and you have to make a decision by May of next year on his fifth year option. So if he plays just kind of good but not great then you're like okay now we got a serious 25 million dollar decision to make and which is fully guaranteed as soon as you activate it um there's just too many and then on top of that a team that invested that much money or that much assets trading all those picks to go up for trey lance and is willing to dump him two years later from arguably one of the best offensive minds in the game who can make seemingly work with almost any quarterback, not named Trey Lance. You put all that stuff together, man, that's a lot of red flags for me to take that on. And I'm much more in that mindset of pick your guy that you have the evaluation on, reset that rookie quarterback contract timeline where you get it from day one, got the next five years instead of two and or one and we'll see you know, he could potentially, you know, I don't think in the grand skimmy things, I don't know that he's that much more of an improvement over Davis Mills. I mean, he's not very accurate. Yes, he can. He's got the legs. He can move, but that's not what this offense is going to be about. And I 
just there's not enough positives there for me to be saying, yeah, I'll take a, a shot at that. No, screw that, man. There's way too many red flags for me. Yeah, man. I feel like you could just, I could just copy and paste what you said and use it. You know, if if you give me permission to use, it's all yours, man. Go for word it. Word for word, everything you just said, I will use it, credit you, and say this. This is my opinion expressed by Texans Cap, but shared by Brandon Scott. Yeah. This, like what you said to a T. And I've got a little bit different of a twist on the Shanahan element of it that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily disagree with you. I just look at it a little bit differently. But let's hit on the other stuff first before yeah. we get to that. My big thing, and this has been my issue all day as I've tried to argue with argue it on Twitter and even from the start of it when we were doing our toss uh, from the morning show with me and Sean uh, in the morning to talking to Landry uh, for in the loop in the midday. Like this idea that Trey Lance costs less just because the pick is less is short-sighted. It neglects all of the factors that you just mentioned that to me should factor into the to the cost and the cost benefit analysis that you're talking about. Yes, in a vacuum, a second, third, whatever round pick it would cost to get Trey Lance is less than the number two overall pick. But what you're also doing, like you mentioned, is resetting that 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 clock or not doing is not, resetting that clock. You're in the so middle of it. This this is this is the point. With Trey Lance, I don't feel so. Trey Lance has been in the NFL for two years. You you sound like a, a lot even more down on him than I am, but I would say I don't feel much differently about Trey Lance than I did when he was drafted two years ago. To me, he's still whatever he was when they drafted him a, a project, a, a undeveloped passer who is a superior athlete for the position, who with proper coaching and experience could be a really good player that's what trey lance is but he's shown you no like i don't feel like he's been good enough in the limited action that you've seen to feel like yeah that's it and i also don't feel like he's been bad enough for you to be like oh there's nothing there i feel like he is just as much of a question mark in year three as any quarterback that you could draft at number two going into year one and so if i'm going to invest in a develop a developmental project if i'm going to spend on a quarterback who needs coaching and experience and i feel like we could all agree that from trey lance to any of the quarterbacks that the texans could take at number two all of them need to some degree a level of coaching and experience to, for you to really have a good sense for whether or not that's going to work out all of them yeah if you're going to do that why would you not want to give yourself as much time as possible to give the player the coaching and experience? Like, as you mentioned, you need to make a decision on Trey Lance going into year three. And I I was hitting on this earlier in the show. By the end of year three, you need to have a pretty good sense or feel for where you stand with this quarterback. You need to have a decision. This unnecessarily rushes 
the decision-making process because with a rookie quarterback, you don't need to have the answer by the end of this year. You do still have the second year and the third year, which is really when you start understanding what you have, you have that time to make that decision. And if D'Amico Ryans is on the, the sort of timeline that allows him that sort of wiggle room, why would you not take advantage of it? Yep. Why would you rush something? I almost look at, at it like this, Cap. Think about it. With, with both of these guys, or either situation, Trey Lance or a quarterback to be named that you could draft at number two overall. With either with Trey Lance not being a, a having an answer to what he is, it is you are t- this is a test run. Whoever you whatever quarterback, if, if, if it's either Trey Lance or somebody that you draft number two overall, you it is a test run. It is a timed test. OK, and three years is kind of the time. Yep. All right. That's what we're talking about. If I were to tell you that you have to purchase, you have to pay for this time test. You don't know how long it's going to take you to finish the test, but and you've you've got the money, you've got enough money in your pocket. You've got to purchase this test, but the test with more time is going to cost a little bit more than the test with little time. You, if you've got the money, the only reason to purchase the test with little time is if you don't have the money to buy the test with more time. <laughs> if you've got the money and you don't know how long it's going to take to get the answer to the test, you're going to buy the test that gives you more time. Yep. And that's what the number two overall pick represents. It is the, it is the time test or the test that you don't know how long it's going to take you <laughs> to finish yeah. with the most time. So when you're just talking about how much it costs, it's short-sighted to just look at it as the pick. You got to talk about opportunity costs as well because that is also a factor. You know, like, why would you why would you rush when you need to have the answer to the quarterback question? And, and, and so if it doesn't work and I don't even like playing this game, but if it doesn't work, then what you've done is wasted whatever pick that you had that you used on Trey Lance. You've now wasted that pick and you've also punted on the opportunity and the time that you would have had in developing the rookie quarterback and having more time to, to get the answer to that question. So so to me, it's more than just, hey, this is the pick. And then you're and then you're resetting the process at a time when who's to say if you're going to be in position to draft a quarterback where you want or that that you're going to like a quarterback in a spot where you could draft him. Whereas you could do that now. So 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 to me, it's just it's more than just what the pick is, what the pick is. It's it's a level of belief in the player and. You know, honestly deciding, do you want do you want essentially one year of an experiment with Trey Trey Lance or would you prefer to take three years of an experiment with, say, C.J. Stroud or Anthony Richardson? Yeah, it just makes more sense to me. Yeah, no, I'm I'm, that's exactly where I'm at. I mean, I see no reason to take Trey Lance. If that's the type of player that you want, then go draft Anthony Richardson, reset the clock and build him your way up. Don't take on the reclamation project from somebody else. It just doesn't make sense to me. And there's too, like I said, there's too many red flags. They're willing to give up on him and and run with Sam Darnold and, and Brock Purdy and whatever is left of his elbow. That that's enough to tell me that there's no sense in in Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm glad you said that. 
because I've because I've got a thing on that too, which is a, a an argument in favor of Anthony Richardson. Okay, I, and, and I understand where you're coming from about that, but I would say this too, though. If Trey Lance, and then this is this is more of a point about logic. This is kind of what I've been hitting on more so on Twitter than the point that I just made with you now. But if whatever line of thinking and logic led Kyle Shanahan, one of the, if not the best, one of the best offensive minds that we have in, in the game today, whatever mindset and strategy led them to trading all of what they traded to get Trey Lance and draft him number three overall. To me, that line of thinking would be more consistent with a line of thinking that would just draft a similar player at number two overall. Like I like for me, if you like Trey Lance, what, what do you like about Trey Lance for multiple first round picks and at number three overall that you don't like about Anthony Richardson at number two overall. Mm-hmm. Like to me, and, and, and let's keep in mind that D'Amico Ryans and Bobby Sloick were in the building, were a part of the staff. I know they weren't the decision makers, but they were a part of the staff that, that did that deed, that made that trade and drafted Trey Lance. Where did they stand on that? I wonder, like, that's the question that I'd love to get an answer to is like, Hey, did y'all agree with Kyle Shanahan when he did that? Did y'all like Trey Trey Lance as much as he did? Yeah. And when were you were you were you like, yeah, let's trade them picks and get and get Trey Lance and draft him at number three overall? I'm I'm all about it because if you were, then I'm confused on how you're like an opportunity to draft a, a similar player at number two overall without having to trade for him. Mm-hmm. Why you would be against that? Like to me, beyond the cost. That's interesting. I'm trying to follow the logic of like, to me, an interest in, in Trey Lance validates that player profile validates the idea that you're willing to invest in an unpolished, imperfect passer who isn't, who is a superior athlete and flattens the curve a little bit because he can do things physically that most quarterbacks usually can't do. Mm-hmm. So, if you would do one, why wouldn't you do the other? It doesn't yeah. like for just from a, a just a logical rabbit yep. hole does not really add up for me. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. <laughs> I'm with you there. Truth wants to know or saying think Casario bites the bullet, takes the optics head on and trade for pick number one, and then takes Bryce. Man, I'd be all about that. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean. The, the, the opportunity I mean, that opportunity has existed though hasn't it yeah yeah I, I it's either they haven't been willing to give up what carolina wants or carolina's like no nope, we're good we're taking bryce don't even worry about it and you know uh, you know stutes and i were talking about it last week you know it it would kind of almost be like a, a gotcha moment if they were able to get houston to come up and that was kind of my my whole thing was is they were shining on Bryce Young to try to get Houston to trade up for him. And then they would just be happy to take Shroud at two and just, you know, extract additional value. And I was against it. But, you know, at this point, unless the values, unless the asking price is just crazy. But, you know, if it's pick 33 to move up to one, you know, sure. Fine. If that's the guy you really want. But it just doesn't seem like they're willing to move off of it. And, uh, you know, I, I'd, you know, I'd be fine with trading up, but you know, 
It's nothing, nothing. I don't think Carolina's going to move off of them. I was uh, dead set on them taking CJ, but it seems like everybody else, including the the books and and Vegas, all say it's Bryce Young. So it doesn't seem like that's going to change. Yeah, 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 definitely, man. I think I think the opportunity was there, and it's a shame that they didn't take it. That it didn't happen. I mean, yeah, and it, I, I don't know how close things got, but it, it seems like they had the ammo to make it happen. So it's 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 disappointing that it both the ammo and the motivation to do so. Like they they at the very least the fact that they entertained it and that, that these discussions were had, there was some motivation to make this happen and to do this. And so that it just didn't work out. <laughs> they couldn't lose the game at the end of the year. And they couldn't negotiate the trade to get the number one pick. Yeah, so they were, they, they were deep in it with Chicago. They were yeah. deep in it in Chicago, and yeah. it, that's yeah. And, and, and so they couldn't do either. So the losing the game was the easy thing. Get executing the trade is the hard thing. They couldn't do. And, and I honestly, if it lands you the number one overall pick, who the hell cares which one it is, which, which route it is? You know, if if you ultimately reach that final destination, so to speak. Yeah, but the fact it, it is a disappointment that they couldn't do the easy or the hard thing. <laughs> that that's that's one part that drives me crazy with Nick Casario is some of the stuff that felt like should have been easy things to get done end up being hard to get done or just not getting done at all. The the Cooks trade, how the team managed Week 18. Um, from all accounts, it sound, or from things I hear, it sounds like he had a really, really, really good deal set up with Chicago to go up to number one, and that fell through. And it just – a lot of those things just bugged the crap out of me. And I don't know if it's his hesitation or if he's trying to outsmart somebody or if it's just, you know, what it may be. But, yeah, like you said, the, the opportunity was there. Could have had it done. Maybe it gets done between now and then. Maybe something – Something changes, but seems like Carolina's got their uh, their eyes dead set on where they're at. Uh, Ryan Crossingham, since I always butcher his last name, do we think not taking a QB is coming from D'Amico or Nick? Mm, that's an interesting question. Um, I, I assume you're talking yeah. about at slot number two, Ryan. Um, I think it's just a, I think it's just how they have their board set, you know, and. I don't think it's any one person pushing that agenda. I think it's just a lot of people assumed, and I may be wrong on this, and I said it last week that I thought Will Levis was the second quarterback on Houston's board. Not to be confused with who they should take at pick number two, Twitter world. I'm My rumblings is that Levis is their second quarterback on the board. So if you take that into account, and the media and everybody else, national pundits, draft folks, everybody just had C.J. Stroud penciled in as the second QB on on all their boards, meant that it naturally assumed Houston would be taking C.J. Stroud at two. If C.J. Stroud's not their QB two, then that's where, in my opinion, the whole notion of not taking a quarterback at two comes from. Yeah, I would just, for the question, I, I would say – I will just push back on 
the idea that it would have to be one or the other. You know, like, mm-hmm. I think it's an easy sort of thought, idea, narrative to sort of assume that these two guys are split. And maybe they are. I mean, I'm not saying that they are or they aren't, but I wouldn't just assume that it's coming from one or the other or that both of them through collaboration, like, and I know this might, that might sound a little bit corny, but but honestly, man, because, I mean, I've, I've been around both of these guys a little bit. Neither strikes me as a guy that's like, hey, my way or the highway, honestly. Yeah. I know Nick, Nick has kind of gotten that reputation a little bit, mm-hmm. but they both really, truly and honestly seem like reasonable people. Yeah, you know, so and, and could reasonably work together and sort of come to a conclusion. So, I I don't get the sense that it's like one guy wants a quarterback or the and the other guy doesn't. Now, and now, could it be that one likes a quarterback more than the other, and, and but neither has enough conviction to say it with their chest, and so they'd rather do something different? I feel I feel like that's probably more likely. Yeah, and that's probably the case. So. Um, so with respect to the question, I would just push back a little bit on the assumption that it's got to be coming from one or the other person. Yeah. yeah, they're not standing on the sitting at each end of the table, staring at each other. Yeah, yeah. And, and then they are having discussions, right? Yeah, and, yeah, and, it, and, you know, everybody didn't think the same way exactly. But yeah. I don't think at the end of it they, that this is all because of, hey, one guy wants a quarterback and the other one doesn't, and so therefore they're not going to take a quarterback. Yeah. I think they've come together and decided, hey, we don't let the quarterbacks, so, yeah. you know, and so we're going to do something different. Sam, I had started this one earlier, and I think we kind of covered it, but when it's all said and done, do we think Texans draft CJ Stroud at two? And it's a coin flip at this point. I mean, yeah. it, I, there's – it. you know, I, I believe it when you hear – People like Ian Rapoport say that the Houston organization is very tight-lipped. They have been for years, dating back to Rick Smith days. It was very difficult to get a, a feeling for what they were looking to do, and the same is still today. And at this point, I mean, I, I, BK hears a lot of things offline. I hear a lot of things offline. It's just tough to know what's – real and what's not because a lot of it's second and third hand there's things lost in translation it's maybe just somebody pushing an agenda so at the end of the day to answer your question sam i have no (laughs) no effing clue what's gonna happen at two and and that and it and i i think it's a good time to just say that just embrace it man i've i've seen some people are like man the draft talks wearing me out i I just want just want the draft to get here and I'm tired of all this man. Just, just, I tell Ryan, uh, Ryan, this whole time. I was like, just enjoy it, man. Embrace it. Let it wash over you. Don't let it drag you down. Don't let it ruin your day. The team's going to do what they're going to want to do. And you have no say in it whatsoever. So just what's going to happen is going to happen. All we can do is sit back, watch, analyze, react, and enjoy the ride. <laughs> yeah, man. I, and I think we covered earlier what, you know, what we think they're going to do versus what we want them to do. And mm-hmm. so, you know, if I'm consistent with what I said earlier, I, I don't know. I don't think that they're going to draft CJ Stroud if you were holding my feet to the fire. Now, do I know? Can I say for sure? Absolutely not. So if they if they draft CJ Stroud, would I be like super surprised? No, no, I think it's still in play. It's just the feeling that I get based off of 
the conversations that are being had, you know, publicly and behind the scenes doesn't sound favorable. That sound like that's what they're going to do. Yeah. So um, I and I say that as somebody that would like for them to do it, because I think the opportunity is just too good to pass up, even if it doesn't work. And, and maybe that's another reason why I come from it from this perspective, too. And, and maybe the viewers and listeners will think I'm an idiot for this. But I'm not afraid of it not working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm actually like, obviously, if it doesn't work, that's not good. That's a miss. It's bad. I get it. But I'm not afraid of that. Like, I, I understand the risk of drafting any player. Mm-hmm. So it, it is it is always entirely possible. And Landry and I go back and forth on this. But like, what if it doesn't work? Yeah, no, that's not good. Doesn't it doesn't work? That's awful. It might yeah. not work, but I mean, but that that is that is why we're here. Like if we're if we're gonna get hung up on what if it doesn't work, why are we even what are we even doing here to begin with? Yeah, if, if you're afraid it's not gonna work, then you're not willing to take the shot. So well, well and it's the question that you gotta ask on the front end of the evaluation, like like not like what if it doesn't work? the more pertinent question is always, do you think it will work? Not necessarily. What if it doesn't? Cause you know, the answer to that, that sucks. No matter what you spend on, on a player. And obviously the costs are different. I get it. But if it doesn't work, that sucks. Yeah. Clearly. It sucks, but, it but, 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 the, but the question that you're asking yourself, the, the, the pertinent question that you're asking yourself is not what if it doesn't work? It is, do you think, can we make this work? Do you think we will make this work? And then you go from there. Yep. Yeah. I'm with you, man. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Uh, uh, it's going to be a, what well, we got exactly eight days from, from right now. There'll be uh probably around pick 20 around this time that night. Um, so yeah. Are you going to be at, you're going to be at the draft party? Where are you going to yeah. be stationed at? Yeah, I've still been trying to sort this out. It looks like my plan as of now is to peek in on the draft party at Miller Outdoor Theater, just kind of get a feel for the scene, see what it's like. I didn't get to go out there last year, mm-hmm. so I want to get a feel for it this year. I thought it was cool that they did it for the first time there last year and that they're doing it again. So I want to get a sense for it. I was out at the at the park well, several days ago and – you know, just like a field trip with some kids there. And I was like, oh, this would be cool. Like, I'm trying to envision what this looks like since I wasn't here last year. I, I'd like to attend and check it out. Just kind of soak in the moment, be a part of it. But I also got to work. So, you know, I, I wouldn't spend a lot of time there. I'd kind of peek my head in on the beginning of it and try to get to um, get to the stadium as, as soon as possible because that's where I'll be stationed at. That's probably where I'll do most of my work. Okay. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah, I, I won't be able to make it out there. I'll be uh, here at the house on my couch watching, but uh, it's a good place well, to be. Yeah, trying not to. Because where I realized, I think it was the 2019 draft when I realized I'm letting it get to me was when Andre Dillard was falling down the board and uh, Philadelphia leaped up and, and took him in front of Houston. And I was just beside myself. And that's when, right after that's when I was like, no more. I'm just going to enjoy it. I'm not going to let it ruin my night. <laughs> Let's just enjoy it. So, man, I, I hope you enjoy it. I hope I hope you uh, are able to get out there and, and get a taste of the energy. I'm sure it's going to be a, a very phenomenal energy out, energy out there without the draft party. You know, 
another another year of, of two first rounders. So, you know, that part is going to be exciting once again to see how the team manages the situation and, and what happens. And whatever happens at two, it's going to be a lot of claps, a lot of boos, and a little bit of everything in between. There's not going to, nobody, not everybody's going to be happy no matter what they do it to. So, well, well, you kind of speak to a challenge that really makes this job a lot of fun, at least for me covering a team that I do have an investment in. Like, like I, I, I grew up on mainly, I was kind of a NFL agnostic. We watched the Cowboys cause I grew up in that little era of, you know, the in between of the Oilers leaving and before the Texans got here. Like that little five-year sweet spot or whatever it is, is like my prime sort of growing up years. And so I kind of grew up without a local football team and, and adopted the Texans as they came on. Like I was already a teenager by the time they got here. So uh, so for me, I, I'm somebody who does want them to do well, but is not like a a, a tried and true diehard fan. I'm just like yeah. a... I, I want them to do well because they yeah, represent yeah. the city that I represent. And obviously I, I work at the flagship station. It's good for us if we, if, if they do well, obviously. So mm-hmm. it's good for business, of course. But I say all that to say what's fun about the job and in being in this moment with all of this chaos that's going on around this draft is trying to balance the emotional roller coaster, the emotional roller coaster that comes with all of that with actually trying to focus on the job. You know, because I'm going to be having all kind of feelings and thoughts that are going to be very similar to our our audience here. That's going to be in their fields one way or the other when draft night comes. But, you know, unlike them, you know, where they get to consume the content, I'm going to have to button it up and figure out a way to make sure that the content gets produced one way or the other. You know, from our digital operation to making sure we got sound on the radio and our interviews Mm -hmm. go well and. You know, and, you know, the Odyssey app is its own story. So, like, we got a lot going on. And in the meantime, I I do have an emotional investment in the outcome and, like, an emotional feeling about what happens so all while I'm trying to be rational and level-headed doing the job. So that that balancing that, though, is fun. Yeah. You know, that that's what makes doing this job here in this city covering this team specifically more fun than it would be. I feel like if I was any other place. Yeah. I, I equate it to the way I always put it is whether I have my, my fan hat on or my, my yep. analyst hat on. And there you I, go. You, you carry both of them with you and you try to balance it between the two. And, and for your part, this is, this is your livelihood as well. So, right. You know, you, you've got to cover that aspect of it. So it's going to be a fun time. Uh, I'm super excited about it. I can't, you know, I'll, I'll be tuned into tuned into y'all as always listening in. Um, you know, if, if you don't know, Brandon uh, does a lot of work at 610, does all the digital content, is on air quite a bit, was on air quite a bit this week, and just kind of the man of all the trades over there. And, uh, you know, Brandon, I appreciate the time, man. I think I think we about, about nailed it tonight. A lot of coverage, a lot of, a lot of topics tonight. I'm so glad that we had already had this thing scheduled, though, because, man, I don't even want to tell you how much I've been talking to myself <laughs> since I got off the air. Like, <laughs> and, and just a little insight into me before we before yeah. we go. I'm an only child. And I am, so, too. And so I've I can talk to myself very. I have no issue with it. You know, it's not weird to me or anything. I mean, I don't do it in front of people. I'm usually in private. 
but I will have conversations with with no one else, with no audience, easily. So I'm glad that you had already invited me. And, and, I, and I say that I'm doing it today more than most days because yeah. I had all of these thoughts specifically about the Trey Lance stuff. Yeah. So I'm glad that we had this opportunity to do this that's, while I had all of this stuff to say. That's funny that you said because I do the same thing. So a long time ago, I used to be real big into to drag racing. And, you know, I'd be out, the, out in the garage working on the car. And my dad would come out there and he's like, who are you talking to? I don't know. I just was talking. I, I'd talk to myself all the time. Yes. And I tell myself, as long as I'm not answering myself, yeah, then we're all okay. But yeah, yeah, I'm an only child and I have those self, self, self conversations quite a bit. So I'm right yeah, there man. with you, man. Yeah, man. Life, life can be lonely <laughs> as only child. You got to entertain yourself sometimes. Yep, yep. Yep. All right, man. We'll get you out of here. I appreciate it. I appreciate the time, man. And uh, hopefully you get some rest tonight and we will hear you. You're on tomorrow within the loop. Yeah, so you know, I do in the loop every Thursday at eleven. So y'all okay. check that out every every Thursday, eleven a.m. Central Time, unless otherwise noted. And you can mm-hmm. uh, social media handles there at Brandon K. Scott. If something changes, I'd let you know ahead of time. But book it every week, eleven a.m. Within the loop, man, I'll be in there. So y'all check us out. Yeah, outstanding, man. <laughs> well, as always, make sure you hit subscribe, hit that like button. Does good, does wonders for the show, and. uh We'll get the podcast version out hopefully by this weekend, depending on my on my schedule goes. But uh, with that, we will call it a night and we will shut it down. Everybody have a good evening. Thanks. Mm-hmm.